Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. I want to start with a little story I read this week about a young lady named Eileen. And she was flying from Phoenix back to New York. And she was going through Detroit on Delta Airlines. And she got to the airport a little early and she checked in and grabbed her a Starbucks and was working on her laptop. And she was working there and then it got close to boarding. She went to her flight. And being that we're in the pandemic, the flight wasn't full. So she chose a seat in the back of the plane where she could sit and have space and not be around many people. And they're kind of slow on taking off, so she got her laptop back out, and she was working again. And then they're getting ready to take off, and they're taking off pretty quick. So she goes, I don't really have time to put my laptop in my briefcase. I'm just going to throw it under the seat in front of me. And of course, as you're taking off and trying to get to 500 miles an hour and get to 25,000 feet in the air, her laptop slid back behind her, and then it went to the next row, but she could still see it out of the corner of the eye. There was nobody there. So once they got to 10,000 feet elevation, and they said, you may get up and you may open your devices, she went back to look for it and couldn't find it. So she goes, here I am on all fours, crawling around the Delta flight. The stewardess comes back and says, ma'am, may I help you? She said, I had a, my let's explain the whole story to the stewardess. And she goes, well, it's got to be here. So they looked. So after 10 minutes of her and the stewardess looking, she saw a gentleman that was two rows behind her, three rows behind her. And he said, sir, have you seen my laptop? He looked like this and went back around his, went back around his, uh, went back to his iPhone and ignoring her and they kept looking and they got suspicious and so she asked him sir are you sure you didn't see it you're the only one back here so as she did that he said well the stewardess said ma'am you can't ask him he goes will you open your bag and she said you can't ask him to do that the stewardess tried to reassure her it's going to be okay if you're we will get your laptop so he goes fine you can look in my bag and he opens the bag and was kind of letting her see half of it. And she saw out of the corner of her eye, she saw his iPad, she saw his book. Corner of her eye, she saw her MacBook. She saw a little, she had dropped some pink nail polish. She goes, there it is. And she grabs it, right? If you're the owner of something, and if you know if you bought anything Apple, it's not cheap. She reaches in and grabs that MacBook Pro and she opens it up and it says her name on it. And she looks, she tries to, my name, it's got my password. And he grabs it back and throws it. He goes, she's, she's in my bag. What is she doing? That's my personal belongings. This is all happening at 35,000 foot elevation, 555 miles an hour. She goes and the stewardess goes, ma'am, ma'am, it's going to be okay. We'll get your lap. If it's your laptop, you will get it. Please find your seat. So they made her go back to her seat. They, they, would, they had to separate them because things were getting tense. She was shaking. She's a young lady, 23, 24. And her hands were shaking. She was crying. So they made them, they had to separate them. We're in the air. We're at, we're, she had to tell her, look, we're flying at like 35,000 miles an hour, almost 600 miles an hour. We can't have a fight up here. So they made her go back to her seat. She goes, and he's behind me. She goes, and I'm thinking, he's going to erase it. He's going to erase all my stuff. 
She goes, and so I've made multiple bathroom trips. She goes, I was determined. She goes, I didn't know what was going to happen, but the stewardess kept reassuring me they'd come by. We've talked to the pilot. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So when they land, she goes, if you ever want to get off before first class, she goes, start some criminal activity up in the air. She goes, as we're landing, they're saying, everybody, please be seated. We have an emergency. The police are coming on. And she goes, and then we get escorted off. The two of us get escorted off the plane. And she goes, I want to tell everybody, he's the thief, not me. She goes, and we get off, and the police start questioning us. And they're like, ma'am, do you have anything? Because we've opened the laptop. At this point, they've opened the laptop. There's nothing on the laptop. Your name's not there. There's no so he erased it in the air. And he said that he bought it on eBay. And he didn't have time to load his information and put his login information. So she, he goes, is there any way you can get a serial number? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll FaceTime my roommate. I, she is, this lady is determined. She has a flight in 30 minutes. She's sweating, trying to get her laptop because she knows once she gets on that next flight to New York, she's never going to see that again. So she goes, I'm, I'm stressed. So I call my roommate. She goes in my closet, gets the box out, gives me the serial number. She goes, and then he, the police officer walks over and then he looks at it again, looks at it, looks at it, goes, comes back, says, I'm sorry, that's not the correct serial number. Come to find out at the end of the story, the roommate grabbed the iPad Air box, not the MacBook box, but she didn't know that at the time. So she's stressed, and they're about, he goes, man, we got to let him go. You got to go. You both have flights. He's an international. He's flying internationally. He's got to get back to his country. And he goes, is there any way you can look up your serial number on your iTunes? Oh, perfect. So she logs, tries to log in. She goes to log in her iTunes, and then she realizes that she was 14 when she made her iTunes account. So who was my best friend when I was 14? She goes, I started thinking, put in a couple names, it worked. What city did your parents meet in? Oh, Lord. She goes, I'm just like, finally it worked. It comes up. I give them the correct serial number. And as soon as they find the correct serial numbers match up, the police officer says, sir, stand up, put your hands behind your back. They walk the laptop over to me. They escort me to my next flight. But I think in 2020, some of us need to have a little more of that same zeal that she had to get, our, to get the presence of God back in our families. See, King David, it reminds me of a story in 2 Samuel with King David and his desire to get something back that was stolen from him and stolen from the people of Israel. The enemy had carted off the Ark of the Covenant or the presence of God. Since the enemy had stolen the presence of God, there was no central place for worship. King David had such a strong desire to bring the, back the presence of God to the kingdom. He wanted to bring the ark home to bring the glory back. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel 6 and 3. Or you can look online with me here. But they set the ark, 6 and 3, they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahiho, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it, and Ahiho was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord. They were dancing. They were singing. They had harps and lyres and timbrels and sistrums and, and cymbals. Verse 6. When they had come to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen had stumbled. 
Verse 7, the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Verse 8, then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez Uzzah. Verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me. He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Verse 11, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. If you look back up in that verse, David asks, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? I want to prove to you today that he answers that question in the book of Psalms. Because this is a big question to us. How can I get the presence to come to me? I want to talk to us today for a few moments on clean your hands and clean your heart. We have to sanitize our spirit. If you've been around church very long, you've heard the story in 2 Samuel here. David is bringing the ark home. That doesn't mean much to you and I today, but in those days, the ark meant the presence of God had departed them because the Lord dwelt in the ark of the covenant. The ark was so important to God that he gave Moses very specific directions on how to build it, how to make it, how to carry it, how to handle it, because it was the central place of worship. And everywhere the ark was placed, the glory of the Lord would rest there meaning the light, the Shekinah glory, the laser light focus of God would come down in that place. It represented Jehovah. It was the holiest place on earth. So when David took over the throne, he realized there was no ark. There was no central place of worship. The spiritual walk of the people of Israel had suffered, had become mediocre, had become lukewarm, is what they would say in the New Testament. The heart was anything but after God. So as their leader, David knew he had to find this piece of furniture and bring it back to its rightful place. His heart was after God's heart. His intentions were right, but his technique was wrong. You remember when I was reading, they said they put it on a new cart. They put it on a new cart. They thought they could entertain the presence of God on a new cart, that they could do it better their way. God had given them specific directions, though, how to handle the ark and how to handle how the presence of God. The ark was to be carried on, four po- on poles through gold-plated rings on the four corners of the ark. It was to only be carried by the Levites. But see, David didn't do his research. He was just so excited to get back to the central part of worship and get back to the king- bring it back to the kingdom. But let me tell you, you can't enter his gates into praise and worship if you don't have your heart right, if you don't have your hands clean. See, they thought they could have a new cart. They thought they could make it fancy. They thought they could drive the presence of God. Let me tell you, God never intended for us to drive him. He intended us for us to seek him and for us to search for him. It's for us to go after his presence. We're not intended. We're, we're not the drivers of this ship. We're not the drivers of the kingdom. He's the driver. He's in charge. He's the pilot. 
but I, I built it. I built this better. It's easier, God. No, we don't have to have four people. We just need a driver. You don't have to have people carrying it. That's too slow and that's too heavy. Let me tell you, you can't come into the God on your terms. You can't go through a shortcut or short circuit something. There is only one way into the presence of God. There's no better way to come into the presence of God than his way. See, God intended for the ark to be a weight on the shoulders of the people. He wanted people, he wanted God's people to feel his presence. He wanted them to feel the burden of carrying his presence. He never wanted God's people to try to lead him. I'm here to explain this to you that it's not your way with God's presence. It is still his way. I need God's presence in my family. I need God's presence in my life. I need God's presence in my marriage. I'm telling you, everything that's going on in this world and everything that's going on in culture right now and all the upheaval, you need God in your life. You need God in your marriage. You need God on Monday when you wake up. You need God when you get to work. You got to find, let me tell you, the most important. If you, God, oh, I felt this so heavily this week. What if they survive the pandemic, but they lose their soul? What if they make it out alive physically in 2020, but they died spiritually? Mark, you got to remind the people they got to get back to my presence. The most important thing is not your house or your car, but the most important thing is getting into the presence of Jehovah this morning. I don't come out of anger, but I come out of love. You got to get your heart right. You need to wash your hands. You need to purify your heart this morning. Let me prove to you that you have to wash your hands. As they were going down the path with the cart, it hit a pothole. See, they were in L.A. County where the roads are really bad. Knocked the rim off the cart. But Uzzah's right. It's logical. It makes common sense. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to hold the presence of God. Because realize Uzzah. His dad was Abinadab, and the presence of God had been stored in his house. He got accustomed to the presence of God. He became, it became too buddy-buddy with the ark. He became too close to the ark. You know, there's those things at your mom's house that you're never supposed to touch, and you know you were a little kid, and you threw the ball off it, and it went like this, and it stabilized, and you spoke in tongues as the Holy Ghost came. I'm sure they'd played ball and the ball had bounced off the ark. He got used to the presence of God, but he didn't respect the presence of God. You can't get so used to this and so routine and so mundane that you come in here that you forget that this is the presence of God. Unclean hands can't handle a holy God. Uzzah made a decision in a moment to disregard God's command, but even decisions made in the moment matter to God. Uzzah erred in his thinking that it didn't matter who carried the ark. Uzzah erred in his thinking that it didn't matter who touched the ark. Uzzah erred in his thinking that, that God couldn't take care of himself. Uzzah erred in thinking that the ground was less holy than him. I think he forgot where he came from. Jeremiah 25, 61, Provoke me not to anger with the works of your hand, and then I'll do no harm. He says this, how your hands are before me, if they're unclean, if they haven't been washed, it matters to me. 
God said, the works of your hands. I don't want you to take unclean hands and try to handle holy things. It's amazing over the last six, seven months of the millions and millions of dollars that have been spent on commercials and advertisements and brochures and flyers warning people, trying to inform people that one of the greatest defenses that we have against this virus is to wash our hands. There's been campaign, campaign blitz. They've been released by scientists and people in the medical field. You get online and doctors get up and, and people surging. Everybody's getting up and trying, wash your hands, wash your hands. Wa old people, wash your hands. Young people, wash your hands. Everybody, you touch something, wash your hands. How critical is it that we use sanitizer, they tell us. That we, don't, that we kill these germs from, that the virus carries. But you have to wash them. I remember back in March when this first started, did anybody else wash and sanitize your hands so much that the skin was coming off of them? I mean, it was like flaking everywhere. And I was thinking, man, but what were we doing? We were washing our hands. The medical world and the government has told you to wash their hands, but they have not told you to cleanse your heart. I think we need to add to the washing of the hands. We need to add the cleansing of the heart. Because America doesn't just have an outward issue, it has an inward heart issue. Think about Pilate in the New Testament. He washed his hands publicly, but he was still wrong. It's possible to wash your hands in public, but not to be clean in private. What you do in private determines whether God will use you in public. See, something was not right with Uzzah. Something was not right in his private life, and God knew it. Because this, clean hands without a pure heart still crucify people. God didn't just send judgment on his life because God was having a bad day. There was a real reason that when that man with unclean hand touched the ark, he died. When I think about the last six months and everything I've seen on social media and news and posted, it's like a magnifying glass on people's private life. If people are so willing to be nasty in public, how bad is their private life? We can't even imagine as a Christian doing what they're doing in public, let alone what they're doing in private. What you do in private matters. Who you are in private matters. See, Pilate washed his hands good in public. He made a good show of it. He went through the motions, but when he had a private encounter with Jesus, he did not let Jesus touch his heart. He did not let Jesus change his heart. He washed his hands publicly, but his heart was still unclean. You have to sanitize your hands, and you have to sanitize your heart if you want to come into the presence of the Lord this morning. Clean hands with a pure heart. Let me tell you again, still crucify people. Clean hands, people who look good on the outside, but their hearts are unclean. They crucify people. They talk bad. They gossip. They rip people to pieces online. They're cruel. They're angry. They're bitter. They're upset because their heart is unclean, even if their hands look good. This last week or a couple weeks ago, we took the kids to SeaWorld. What's supposed to be an hour trip with my kids takes forever. And when you get to SeaWorld, what, you get to the what's the first place you have to go when you have little kids when you get to an amusement park? The bathroom. And I don't know how I get 
I have stuck taking my daughter in the men's bathroom. The family bathroom was busy. Ashley's trying to get tickets. We're trying all this stuff, right? And so I'm telling her, don't touch anything. Right? And we go in the stall. If you're a guy and you have a daughter, you know, you go find the stall, the biggest stall they have. And you put down like 15 sheets. And then she likes to, you know, start, quit touching stuff. You know, and then she gets done, and I've, we've, we, now she's six. She, like, she knows how to flush the toilet. You know, she's like. <laughs> but we go and we wash our hands. And, and I don't know if T.T. taught her or whatever, but she sings. She knows, she knows she's supposed to sing the ABCs while she's washing her hands to get all the germs off. But as I'm sitting there and we're washing our hands, I see guys come in, and I see guys go out, and I see guys come in. And they're not washing their hands. And it never dawns on them that they need to clean their hands. They need to wash their hands. But dirty hands can't handle the holiness of God. Something's happening spiritually when we approach God with dirty hands and an unpure heart. I'm afraid the last six months have caused us to let up our spiritual disciplines of prayer, Bible reading, and fasting. And I know you've been raised in church. You've probably heard that so much. And I know when somebody says that, I'm like, but think about it. Where were you February, and where are you today? And without months of church, it's possible. It is possible that your hands have accumulated dirt, and your hearts are impure. Just like when I take my daughter into the restroom, I don't know what she touched or doesn't touch, but I tell her, we got to wash our hands. You know what I'm here? I'm just a reminder today, just like the medical field and just like coming out of the bathroom, wash your hands. Purify your heart this morning. Wash your hands. Purify your heart this morning. Here I want you to see it in Psalms 24.3. David asks the question here. This, and all the commentaries believe that David wrote Psalms 24 in reflection of what happened in Samuel 6. He then comes back to the ark, and David, after he watched his friend die with unclean hands, he asks this in Psalms 24, verse 3. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Who's going to go? Who's going to go? Who will climb the holy hill? He answers that in verse 4. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Clean hands and a pure heart. And notice that in 2 Samuel, it kept talking about the Ark of the Covenant was at a hill. Remember that? So what he's doing, he's answering his own question. He said, I know the answer. I know how to climb, and I know who will get to climb the holy hill. I know who will get to go into the presence of God. Those with the clean hands and those with a pure heart. We're going to have to do more than just sing and praise and go through the routine of church. We have to have clean hands. Because look, 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 in Second Samuel, they were dancing and they were worshiping and they were praising, but they had, did not have clean hands and a pure heart. That principle still comes into today. You can't just come in here and praise and dance on Sunday when you haven't cleaned your hands and purified your heart. 
And I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. I'm talking to myself without clean hands and a pure heart. We cannot entertain the presence of God. Make sure you don't come back after this pandemic or make sure you don't go into 2021 with the filth of this world all over you. Make sure you don't go into Christmas with the dust of this world on your hands. But every now and then we need the Holy Ghost rain to come down and we need it to cleanse our hearts and we need it to wash our hands. Oh God, cleanse my heart and wash my hands. Purify us, oh God, here this morning. Don't let us go home with the dust of the world. Don't let us get on the platform and sing with the dust of this world. Don't let me greet and usher with the dust of this world on my hands. Don't let me run the cameras. Don't let me make a latte. God, I want my hands clean and my heart pure. You can't just have the presence of God. The Bible still says that we need to assemble together. Do not forsake the assembling together. And I'm not upset with anybody at home and everybody's at their own place and you got underlying, underlying symptoms, I understand. But at some point, you gotta say, baby, you gotta get out of your pajamas and we gotta get up and we gotta go to the presence of God. And you might be here physically and you need to tell your wife, we need to get back to the presence of God. I want to be the one who climbs the holy hill. I want to be the one that goes into his presence. I want our marriage to go into his presence. This is an hour when God is saying, don't come back with the dust of the world on your hands. Don't bring all that stuff in. People have fallen. People have fallen. They've lost their disciplines. Make sure you prepare yourself to touch the presence of God. I think about musically and in here. On, on Monday, on Monday, we start preparing for Sunday. I know the music team just looks so forward to those texts. And we're, we're, get, we're preparing, not just what you physically, but we're preparing spiritually. When you're, and I know when pastor works on his messages, he's, he's already... I know him well enough to tell you this, that he's already working on Christmas messages. He's working. He's preparing to bring us into the presence of God. But sometimes the move of God is not determined by the pulpit, but it's, to be determined, by, it's determined by the pew. The move of God isn't determined by one. It's determined by all. And this week, I won't tell on Sister Austin, but they're down here and they're cleaning. They're preparing True Kids this week. We're so excited to have True Kids and we're so excited to have them out of here. I know the parents are all rejoicing. They just laid back right there in the Holy Ghost. But this week they're preparing. And they, it wasn't the first time they've cleaned True Kids since we went into the pandemic. But you wouldn't believe in the last few months how much dust accumulated cobwebs and so sister austin was like trying to get a cobweb and you would think there was like a six foot tarantula she'd go oh oh and i was like are you okay she goes i just don't like spiders but they were there for a couple hours just preparing disinfecting getting all the dust off you may just be like that true kid's room you haven't done anything wrong but if we don't do something right 
and it's not used, if you're not using and getting into the vein of the Holy Ghost, the dust of this world will just settle on you. If the highest officials of science and medicine are spending millions to remind you to wash your hands, wash them often, wash them frequently, wash them after the bathroom, wash them after you touch this, wash them, wash them. If the world of science, the message of this hour and health is wash your hands, I think I need to stand up and remind God's people that you have to have pure hearts and you have to have clean hands. It's the only way you can approach God is to have pure hearts and clean hands. You still have to be holy. You still have to be different from this world. Unclean hands cannot handle the holiness of God. We need a revival of clean hands. We need a revival of pure hearts. We need a revival. First Timothy says this, I desire in every place that men and women lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. We need to be able to lift up holy hands this morning. Anybody who is serving God, we got to wash our hands. If you go, we went out to a nice restaurant for our anniversary a couple weekends ago. It was an Italian restaurant that Brother Gustavo recommended. Well, Rosetta recommended it. It was super nice. It cost me a lot of money. The bill was so much at the end, I said, can we just sit here another hour? I'll feel like I get my money's worth. But if you go into a nice restaurant, you go to the bathroom. On the back of it, what is this? there's always a sign that says, all employees must wash hands before returning to work. I thought we might need to put a sign up here at church for us that all volunteers, that all ministers, that all singers, that all musicians don't come in here and treat God's presence like it's a fast food restaurant. But let's wash off the filth. Let's wash off the dust of this world. I want to approach God with fear and trembling because I know he's a holy God and a holy God can't touch on holy things. All the singers, all the musicians, all the ushers, all the volunteers, every head of the department, all employees, we must wash our hands before we go back to work. We got to clean our hands and purify our hearts. If you want to be used by God, if you want to be God's presence in your life, if you want to do a work for God, you got to offer him clean hands and a pure heart. I know we picked up some residue. I know that. I'm human like you. We just need the rain of the Holy Ghost this morning. God, I want to offer you clean hands and a pure heart this morning. We need the Holy Ghost rain this morning, God, just to fall on each and every life, each and every soul, each and every marriage. If you're going to serve in ministry, if you're going to open a door, if you're going to park a car, if you're going to get on the platform, wash your hands and cleanse your heart. See, there's too much fussing in the church, and I'm not talking just here, but in church in general. There's too much cussing in the church. I still don't believe that there ought to be cussing coming out of Christians' mouths. I still believe in the old stuff. My mom used to get out the dish soap, the palm olive, most disgusting stuff in the world. I mean, I, wasn't, I think I said darn, and she was like. 
I said, my mouth is not the dishwasher. But we need more than just dish soap and a bar. You know those parents that used to put this bar of soap and scrape it back on the teeth? We need God to come in with some conviction today of the Holy Ghost. And I want him to scrape that Holy Ghost against us this morning. To scrape it against our souls. You see, there's too much lying and cheating in church. There's too much adultery and fornication in church. Because dirty hands need a revival. We need to feel the sting of conviction until, God, let me feel the sting of conviction until I feel clean again. See, I don't, not just a sprinkle, not just a little dusting. Not, I don't even, I'm not going to settle for an angel. But God, purify me and clean my hands until I feel your presence again. I'm not content to stand on the outside, but God, I'll purify me so I feel you again. You know, it, I know we're not at a loud part or a, heart, a shouting part of this sermon, but I'm going to tell you this. That we had church long enough in an empty building that I don't need your amens anymore. Because we're preaching for the voice and the amen of one. I'm bringing it in love. I'm bringing it in love, but I want to tell you, you, can, you don't have to praise. You don't have to worship. It's okay. Because I'm not here to praise and worship and to preach for you. I'm, I'm here to preach a loving message and help move you in a direction. I'm here to move us. But if you and I don't eventually cry out, I know there's some things in the Bible that they say will cry out. But I don't want any rock to take your place. And I don't want a stone to take your place or my place. So why don't we take a little break here as we stand and give God a little praise in the building. Give him a little praise. Why don't you clap your hands like you know they need to be washed this morning. Clap your hands like you know they need to be washed this morning. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because you can be deceived. You can get shipwrecked. You can lose your marriage. You can uh, end up in addiction. But you got to guard your heart. you got to wash your hands. Now, if you're a sinner, come in here dirtier than dirty. But if you're one of the leaders, if you're a volunteer, it's required that you wash your hands and clean your heart this morning. I wonder if my hands and my heart have ever stopped God from moving in this house. Ask yourself. So many people get deceived. But when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. That's the problem. If you get your hands and your heart pure, 24 verse 5 says, He shall receive the blessing from the Lord. Go to 2 Samuel. The house of Obed-Edom was blessed. And for three months, the presence of God was there. And it was so blessed that David noticed. If you get your hands and your heart pure, people will see your blessing. We don't get our hands and hearts right for the blessing. It's a byproduct of getting our hands and hearts right. You know, you got the job when you shouldn't have got the job. It's because you're blessed. You know why you got healed and you you were dealing with things? It's because you're blessed. You used to deal with anxiety, but now you're blessed. You got peace. It's, it's because you got your hearts and your hands right. 
I'm living in victory because I got my heart and hands right. People argue all the time about what version of the Bible they like and they go on and on and on. But my question to you is, what version of the Bible are you? Because you're the only version some people are going to see. What's missing out of your Bible that's in his Bible? Create in me a clean heart. Psalms 51, and a pure spirit. So God's looking for clean hands. Let me explain. God used Noah to build the ark, but his hands were clean. God used Moses to build the tabernacle, but his hands were clean. God used the disciples to distribute the fish and the bread that was multiplied. The 5,000... God didn't perform the miracle. It said that he blessed it and broke it, and he put it in the disciples' hands. And as the disciples broke it, it multiplied. God's still looking for pure hands, pure hearts, and clean hands. He's still looking. And he's looking in this generation and he's looking in the elders, and he's looking in the young ones, he's looking in the middle-aged, he's looking in this hour for clean hands that he can put the miracle in. He's looking for someone in this service who said, God, during everything that's gone on, I just need you to cleanse me. I'm not returning back to your presence. I'm not returning with dirty hands and a dirty heart, but I'm coming with clean hands. I'm not walking out of the bathroom with my phone and forgetting to wash. No, when I come in here, I want clean hands and a pure heart. God, I want you to purify me. God, take your time and just wash me. God, you're here. I know we don't have time for to come up here and we can't get around this altar but are there just a few people that say God it's me I don't I'm not leaving until you just wash me in the Holy Ghost this morning I'm not leaving until you purify this heart and wash my hands God I'm not I'm not taking this place for granted I'm not taking your presence for granted that's it slip your hands up make make this place the altar right where you're at from the front to the back that's it enter in here we can't go to the shouting and we can't go to the praise and worship until we're purified search me heart my heart god give me a pure heart thank you for listening special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry it is because of you that this ministry is possible You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.